It's time for 2NURFM's Gardening Talkback with uh, David Peterson from Walls End Nurseries. G'day, David. Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. Yes, it is a good afternoon out there. And it is. I mean, we, we weren't supposed to have this beautiful sunshine that we've got today, Phil. Well, we'll, we'll take it anyway. We sure David, will. Won't we? we sure yeah. will. As I was saying off air, I, I was in Melbourne uh, for the weekend and, mm-hmm. and it, there was a little bit of drizzle down there yesterday. But um, when as I got. As it does in Melbourne. As it does. Yeah, <laughs> the first couple of days weren't too bad. But um, when I got home, uh, the gauge, I think there was 50 millimetres yeah, in, in the rain. Considerable gauge. rain. And particularly last night again, it rained very, very heavily. Oh, so. right. Well, I slept very heavily, so maybe <laughs> I missed that too. Okay, well, David's here to uh, answer all of your gardening questions. The number to ring is 49216216. Be lovely to hear from you um, as we uh, plunge into winter and the winter gardening season. 49216216, uh, give us a call right away and uh, we'll get you on air talking to David, solving all those tricky gardening problems. Um, David, later on today, probably after the one o'clock yes. news, we'll uh, tell people who the winner of two NUR two NUR FMs. So I'm trying to think and talk at the same time. <laughs> um, multitasking isn't good. Two NUR FMs gardening walk back for the month of May. May that would yes, have been. That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll tell you who picked up uh, that, and that means, of course, David's coming around to their place to have a look at their garden and to give them some advice right there and then on the spot. If you would like to be the winner of 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback for June, then all you need to do when you ring up to ask a question of David, just give Diane on the phone your details and she'll make sure that you go into the draw. And maybe this time next month we'll be uh, announcing your name and you can look forward to David coming around to uh, check your garden out. Everybody who rings up today, of course, as usual, goes in the draw to win these beautiful things that uh, David's giving away. Uh, very generous, as always, David. And uh, what we'll do is we might just take a little bit of a break and we'll be back. David can uh, tell us what he's giving away and then we'll take your calls. That's coming up. Uh, if you have to move away from your radio, don't forget that uh, you can uh, stay in touch with David and all his gardening advice on your iPhone or iPad. Just download the 2NURFM app for your easy listening favourites as well as all the great advice from David. And it's free. Head to 2NURFM.com to download. And also while you're there, if uh, if you've missed any of uh, David's advice over the last few weeks, you can uh, check out some older programs on podcast. Mm. Uh, but right now, it's time to get stuck into the, the pointy end of, of today's program, which is what you're giving away, David, and then we'll start taking some calls. So okay. Run through these lovely things right. for us. I've brought in a couple of uh, indoor plants again for, because, I mean, once we step into winter, most people seem yeah. to move inside and do some things inside. So I thought I'd give away a couple of indoors. One of those is the Croton. Now, the Croton comes in many different um, color ranges. This one that I've got today is green and yellow. Uh, it's just a plant that likes a fairly well-lit area, nice and warm inside. The other one is a Diefenbachia, which is probably one of the older-fashioned uh, plants that we often use for inside. This one has a green and white foliage. It clumps up from the ground quite a bit. Very, very colourful, and that's why we use our indoor plants inside during the winter months, because it just brightens a nice little dull spot that you may have inside. So that's the indoor plants I'm giving away today, as well as that I'm giving away a Kids Harvest 
pack. I've given away these before, but they're really, really popular. This one that I've got today is the peas in a pod pack. So therefore, <laughs> um, we have a bag of potting mixture, some seeds, a tray to grow them in, and culture notes. So that's the peas in a pod pack for uh, hopefully um, uh, from little kids to um, start growing and seeing exactly what happens. As well as that, just a, a container of the sea organic. This is the complete uh, um, plant food that you can use on your pots or on your garden. So that's the gift for today. Terrific. Phil. And uh, David's going to choose somebody at the end of the program to be the uh, recipient of those wonderful things. That being the tricky part, you need to be listening you at do. the end you of the do. program to see if David picks your name. Okay, 49216216 is our number. And um, if you'd like to join us, then that's the number to ring. Lines uh, all taken up at the moment, but write it down somewhere and in a few minutes give us a try because lines will become free very, very quickly. Okay, 20 minutes past 12. Let's get started, David, okay. if you're okay. Let's say hello to June from Medford. Hello, June. Good afternoon, David. Um, look, I've got a problem yes. <laughs> with uh, the passion fruit vine. I've mm. got a beautiful passion fruit vine. It's about four metres down the fence. It's thick, it's green, it's lovely. It had the flowers all on it, but they've all dropped off. Yes, they will now because the weather's getting a little bit too cold for them. Unfortunately, with passion fruit, they need temperatures above a certain amount. And, I mean, of course, we've dropped to well below the 10 degrees on quite a few nights, and that's something that passion fruit don't like. Sometimes you'll find if you've already got passion fruit on it, they will actually stay there until the summer months, until they ripen again. But you've only had the flowers, so therefore only it's... Only the flowers, yeah. David, yes, so, and only on half the vine. Okay. All right, and well, that basically means that it's been too cold for the flowers to set fruit, and that's why they've fallen off. Don't despair, because they will reflower again in the spring months. Oh, and no. even if you wanted to, June, in the spring, before it starts to regrow again, you can give it a bit of a prune back and a feed up with some good citrus fertiliser and that'll actually promote it back into growth again oh, for you. Oh, I see. You can prune them back. Yes, certainly you can. And that only occurs in spring, right. so that's early spring that you can do that. And you can cut it a good halfway back if needs be. Oh, really? And it will reshoot back and it's probably a good idea to do that because, as you know, passion fruit will cover you if you stand there long enough yes. because they grow very, very fast. Yes, they do. It, it's not true, the old story, that you have to have two... Vine. I don't know where that story came from no. because I get many a customer asking, do you need the two? And um, in answer to that, of course, no, you don't. You only need the one plant and it will just continue to flower year after year. The only thing is, of course, remembering if you grow a seedling passion fruit, sometimes they'll only bear up to around about four years successfully. They will diminish slowly then in their quantity of no, fruit. No, this was a good grafted one. A grafted one, that should go on for a good 10 years or if not more. So good. you've got um, quite a good deal of time. Thanks. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome, June. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you very much, June. Um, 49216216, as I said, is the number. Uh, Paul from Rutherford is next on the line. Hello, Paul. G'day, how are you going? Good, thank you. Uh, yes, I've got a miniature um, nectarine tree mm -hmm. that's getting a clear ooze coming out of the very tip of the plant. Okay. Um, I was just wondering if there's anything that we can use to fix it with. There certainly is. I mean, look, certainly this is a very common occurrence with nectarines and peaches. It's just called, sometimes just called tip rot or tip moth. Uh, sometimes you'll find throughout the winter months, once it has completely lost its foliage before it reshoots again, you just spray them with a product called copper oxychloride. A little bit of a mouthful, but it does work. So you only need to spray that once. You can actually repeat it again in 14 days' time, but it's not really necessary. So, Paul, that 
chemical again was just simply called copper oxychloride. No problem. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you, Paul. Um, to Swansea next, uh, Jenny's on the line there. Hello, Jenny. Good afternoon, David. <clears throat> um, my question is that I'm going away for five weeks at the end of July, mm-hmm. and um, and I'll prune my ro- I've got roses, and I'll, I'll prune them probably the week before we leave. And I was wondering, um, I want to put sugar cane in the garden um, before I go, or actually soon. Um, do I feed them before I do that? I fed them about a month ago, but I'm not sure whether to feed them before I cover them up before we go away. Well, certainly if you're not doing that till the end of July, that's giving a good couple of months for that fertiliser that you've used to work its way down into the soil. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, certainly once you've pruned them, it probably is a good idea to refeed them because that's going to promote the growth. Yep. And I would leave the sugar caning, if possible, until you do prune them because when you're pruning, a lot of old leaves may fall off which may harbour some disease so you're probably better to wait until you've pruned them so that you can clean all that area up and then of course cover that area in sugar cane oh okay so i'll wait till i prune them before i do all that and clean all if you can if you can because otherwise as i said you will whilst whilst you're pruning you will have leaves that are falling off that may harbour disease and of course you don't want those disease things to be oh no no Okay, well, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Have a good holiday. Yeah, thank you very okay, much. Okay, bye-bye, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Jenny. Well, David, we've got rid of three calls and we've got three spare lines uh, with nobody waiting at the moment. So um, with the time at 25 minutes past 12, let's just talk a little bit um, about sort of rainy, cold days. Yeah, it, hasn't it, it been? Is there anything we should be sort of doing about outdoor plants or do we just let them get on with it more or less? I think probably one of the main things that you can do is keep up the fertiliser because with all this rain it has probably leached a lot of fertiliser through the soil, particularly liquid fertilisers. I mean, it's a, as yeah. I keep saying, never stop liquid fertilising your garden. Go right through the wintertime. I know that we've just had all the seedlings planted around the nursery and I must say oh. that was great timing so <laughs> that... Um, you know, we put the sugar cane on and all the primulas have been planted and then we got all this lovely rain. So hopefully okay. that will water them in and um, promote some good growth well, for us. Well, you planned that, of course, Yeah, David, I, I just I must say it was well done this year. <laughs> so uh, instead of having really hot, dry winds or something to that effect. So, so yes, yeah, so just make sure you do keep the liquid feeding up to things because that will keep them looking good. And remembering that little trick with the lawn is that you spray the lawn with some sea salt uh, and that just keeps it looking great. And I think I've had actually had a couple of people mention to me that they've done that. I think and we did last yes, week, didn't we? And they said how yeah. well it worked. So yeah. that's that's really great that that is um, that is happening and it is uh, really really working. So yeah, as I said, just keep the fertilising up. Okay, uh, Chris from Curry is on the line now. David, hello, Chris. Hello, David. How are you Good, today? Thank you. One little question. I don't know if you can give me an answer to or not. I have a couple of palm trees in the backyard that are left over from a pool area that's not there anymore. Right. <laughs> that sounds really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what could I poison them with to get rid of them? Well, look, you don't even have to poison palms. I mean, when you cut them off and you can cut them down to any level, right. that, that trunk will not reshoot. Okay, and I should right. assume they're probably the old cocos palms, are they? Yeah, with those horrible orange nuts at yes, the back. Yes, yes. So yeah. once you cut those down, you can cut them right to ground level if you wanted to. It is a fairly uh, heavy job to do that. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. Maybe if I 
poison that yes. they sort of die naturally. You know? No, well, I wouldn't suggest that. I would just suggest to get somebody to cut the top cut off, off or just cut them down, and that way that trunk will just eventually... And I must say it takes quite a while because I did that with um, one at home and it took many years for that trunk to actually rot away. I just um, had it cut down and then I stuck a pot on the top of it, a nice Good decorative idea. pot, and that way it just looks like it's actually sitting on a pedestal then, so you're disguising yeah, that's a, it. that's a good idea to use yes. it up, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, then. All right. Okay, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Okay, okay bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, Deirdre from Brankston is our next caller. Hello, Deirdre. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I've got a um, climbing spinach. I've never had one before. It's growing quite vigorously, but every leaf has got holes like rust marks through. Mm. Mm, I was just wondering, you know, can I correct that or...? Look, you can. It's probably just a fungal disease, which sounds exactly what it, uh, it may be because uh, mm. it, it just... It, it's, if it was an insect, you know, you'd find little holes in it, but mm. seeing as it's just spots, no, it would not be... not like that. I've checked for insects. Yes. No, nothing like that. Um, I've actually put some dearest dust on it, but that hasn't made a difference. No, because you'll need to use a, more of a fungicide spray on it, so you'll need to mix something up and then spray it over your spinach so that that okay. disease doesn't travel any further. Look, Deidre, that may have happened during the warmer, humid months because normally oh, with yeah. fungal diseases, they don't normally survive this late in the season. But certainly, no. as a precaution, it wouldn't hurt just to give your climbing spinach a, a spray with that. Uh, and in case there is still fungal spores there. Yes, it's a shame because it's doing so well. Yes. Every leaf, as I said, it's got this rust through it, rust holes. I yes. feel like eating it when it's like that. No, no, I mean, I, mean, it, I certainly probably wouldn't hurt to eat them, but probably it's a bit wouldn't. of a turn-off when you see all those sort of marks all over it anyway. Yes. So. I don't think my hens will be fussy. They'll be happy. To oh, goodness, them. they'll peck away at it. Certainly they, <laughs> they will. will. <laughs> all right, David, thank you very much. Thank you, Deidre. Bye. All right, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Deirdre. And uh, next up, it's Chris from Bellbird. Hello, Chris. Oh, yes. Good morning, David. Um, I've got a question about uh, roses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got this black spot and some aphids, and I've been spraying them. I started off with white oil, then I've got the eco oil. Good. Um, uh, doesn't seem to be making okay. any difference. All right. Well, of course, remembering whenever you use chemicals during this time of the year, they're always much slower in reacting. Normally with roses, what I would suggest that you try and get something that is more complete for roses because you can get just a rose spray. And sometimes these rose sprays will have a fungicide as well as an insecticide in them. Now, of okay. course, with most insects, most of those will be starting to die away um, Particularly in your area, I, I'd be surprised if you don't if you have still many insects there because that's a fairly coolish area. Uh, but certainly try and get just a complete rose spray. But remembering also, Chris, in about another month's time, once we hit into July, that's the time to prune your roses back, uh, and that's going to, of course, cut all those um, pest and diseased areas away. And then you'll just need to spray them with some lime sulphur uh, to get them going into the next season. And um, fig trees, I've got a lot of figs on it, but they've, I think with the cold weather, oh, just stopped. They will, they certainly will, because once again, figs require that warmth to mature. Um, and if they're only semi-matured fruit, they probably won't go through to full maturity. So you're probably wise just to take those off, because eventually, uh, if they haven't already started, the leaves should be starting to go yellow and falling off anyway. Oh, OK. Now, the last thing is rocket. Mm-hmm. I've got a very good rocket patch. Um, is that kind of 
just keeps on growing all, all year round, does it? Or? Well, sometimes if you're very, very lucky, it will self-seed and you'll have little ones coming up. Most people that I talk to find that they can't seem to grow rocket because it goes straight into seed, but certainly yours may be doing that, and that's why you've got such mm. a good um, crop. So, yes, just keep letting the seeds fall. Just uh, You only need a couple of plants to let the seeds mature. They'll fall and they'll probably re-germinate in that patch that you've got. Got a lot of flowers on it, little yep. white flowers. Yeah. Well, they will eventually go to seed, so just leave a few of your plants go to seed, let that seed fall, and you'll probably find that it'll just germinate and you'll have another patch of rocket. Oh, great. All right. Okay, thanks for your help. You're welcome, Chris. Cheers, bye. Thank you. And whilst they're on roses, Phil, we might just yes. mention about um, pruning roses because remembering we try to leave our rose pruning right until the end of July. And just bearing in mind that I am giving a rose pruning demonstration on the 24th of June uh, at the nursery. So that will happen at 2 o'clock precisely. Mm -hmm. I'm only giving one this year, so you've really got to get in on this one particular day, which, as I said, is the 24th. So make sure you pop that in your diaries for a rose pruning demonstration at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock on the 24th of June at Walls End Community Nursery. That's it, yep. And you're on the corner of Lake Road. and Lake Road, that's right, Bill. Of course. I'm, I'm sure everybody in Newcastle has driven past there and oh, knows, yes. knows the nursery well. <clears throat> Excuse me, David. I, I actually must apologise to listeners and to your good self. Um, one of the presents I brought back from our southern cousins in Melbourne is a little bit of a sniffly cold. So oh, I can't you'll have to, talk about a plant, Phil. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to forgive me, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, as when, long as I don't get it, Phil. No, I'm, I'm sure it'll stay entirely on this side of the desk, <laughs> David. It won't, won't, there's a, an invisible barrier okay. there, I'm sure. Um, now, you were talking uh, before about putting the petunias in and all that kind of thing, and then it rained. Yes. I did that a few weeks ago. I put in some rodanti seedlings, and um, and uh, no sooner had I put them in than they were chewed off down to the ground, snails or oh, yes, slugs, I assume. Oh, still around. So would, would you automatically put, put some snail... As we do, um, yes. Yeah, deterrent it's, just around a, that? it's just an automatic thing. When you're watering them in with your... Uh, liquid feed, you put some snail bait around. I mean, it, regardless of whether it's winter or not, if there's nice fresh seedlings there, there's some of those snails that haven't gone into hibernation and they will be just yes. munched off. So, okay. Snails mm-hmm. and slugs. So, yeah, they're the two things that are still around during winter. Okay. So, if I, when I replace these rodampy yes. seedlings, we, we put the snail bait there. I think that's a good, good idea. Okie doke. Um, let's see. Warren from Fletcher is on the line now. Hello, Warren. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I've got some iceberg lettuce, probably around half grown, and I noticed that there's some holes being eaten in the leaves, and this morning I found a little green grub. Yes. What can I do to get okay. a green grub? Well, you can certainly just use a very safe product on them, something like a pyrethrin spray, which is a natural spray that will often get rid of caterpillars. Remembering that any time you use sprays, you've got to have at least a good six hours of uh, drying time uh, mm-hmm. so that the chemical's working. We shouldn't say it's a chemical because pyrethrin's not a chemical. Uh, so it, it, it only has a one-day withholding period. So therefore, whatever you spray on that day, it will kill on that day and it's gone the following day. Now, of course, you can use uh, your deris dust. That is also uh, does have an insecticide in it, so you can sprinkle them with some deris dust, and that will last as long as it stays dry. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye now. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Warren. 
Okay, um, we should just do a coastal uh, weather forecast for uh, anybody who's um, planning on um, on heading down to the sea. Um, winds at the moment um, coming in from the west northwest at Nobbies, thirty kilometres an hour. A relative humidity six seventy six percent. Barometric pressure a thousand and two point three hectopascals, and the uh, temperature quite a, a balmy nineteen degrees mm. at the moment. Um, there's a low tide coming along at 26 minutes to 2.4 of a metre and a high tide of, at 12 minutes past 8, 2.1 metres. Okay, um, still having um, a little bit of trouble getting the, the calls through here, David. Everyone must be maybe too afraid to Absolutely go outside. Absolutely mentioned that number again. Yeah, 49216216, good point. They might not be ringing because they don't know the number. <laughs> 49216216 nine, is our number. Um, now, indoor plants, David, uh, you, you were saying we all turn to indoor plants we do. to cheer our lives up a little bit in, in the winter, but I, I have all kinds of problems growing indoor plants. I have one Madonna lily that's struggling and holds on from year to okay. year. There's a trick to Madonna unhappy. lilies. Tell there me all about it. There is a trick to Madonna lilies. And, uh, I'm every, all ears. Yes, all, everyone seems to fall into this same category when it comes to Madonna lilies or peace lilies or spathophyllums, so we'll give them any of those names. Yep. Uh, you always wait until the leaves start to bow before you water them, particularly during the winter time. They don't like to be kept too wet. And this is often a mistake. People still water them regardless. But wait until the leaves start to bow because that's an indication of when they're starting to dry out. Now, the other thing with Madonna lilies is they love being restricted in the pot. So never over-pot them. I mean, it may look as though the pot's full of leaves, but try and keep them in that pot that's full of leaves because they love being restricted. So restriction with the root system and wait till the leaves bow before you water them as two essential things. Okay, I'll try and bear that in mind. Because uh, people always say, oh, you know, you're, you're so good with growing native plants outside and stuff. How come everything you've got inside looks half dead? I'll, I'll, I'll follow good. your advice. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. Uh, Carol from Newcastle is on the line. 49216216. Hello, Carol. Hi, David. How are you? Oh, thank you. David, uh, last season I bought a sublime lime from you and I'm delighted to say it's grown to about a metre. It has lots and lots of fruit on it and there are about, um, oh, I don't know, about three inches in um, diameter. Mm -hmm. But they don't, I've only had one that's actually um, gone yellow and we've been able to eat it. Mm The rest, I have about 12 on at the moment. One is slightly yellowish, but the rest are very green. They all look very healthy, but they live on the sixth floor and they face, they face west. Mm-hmm. How patient do I have to be? Well, of course, with limes, you don't have to let them go yellow, first of all, to eat them. You can actually use them green uh, because it's when they're fully mature that they actually turn the yellow. But you can certainly pick them when they're even starting to turn yellow. You can certainly pick them and eat them. Look, certainly, Carol, what you can do to speed up that process, you've heard me mention potash probably many times on air. You can actually get a liquid potash now, which is in the form of a liquid fertiliser. So basically, you can still use that all the way through the year, just once every couple of weeks. You can mix that up in your normal watering program and then just water it over your pot plant and that will sort of quicken the process up as well. So that's probably something you may like to try. 
Yes, patience isn't one of my... Oh, okay, okay. Well, as I said, they only need to have a slight tinge of yellow, so you can pick them a little bit earlier if you wanted to. Okay, and I need to repot um, the plant, so what is the best time? I don't want to do it in... Uh, in spring is that the best time because it's still I mean I know it's only winter now but it's uh, it still looks very healthy and the fruit there's a lot of fruit so do I just wait until the fruit stops bearing well it probably never will that's the trouble oh. with limes so the, oh, the I'm delighted to hear that <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, t- <laughs> the oh, that's exactly right I knew that's what you were using it for because <laughs> uh, that's what I use mine for so but yes look certainly um, you normally would do them in spring but remembering with a lot of citrus they do flower late winter early spring so it's probably a good idea if you leave it until it sets its new crop of fruit in the spring then it's probably a good idea to just repot it as carefully as possible of course and make sure of course you always use a good premium potting mixture oh of course yes we have to keep those limes healthy that's right thank you so much david you're welcome carol bye-bye thank you very much carol excuse me again our next caller is marie from dora creek hello marie Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I've spoken to you before. And um, uh, we went out to your nursery a couple of weekends ago mm-hmm. and I bought from you a Pascali hybrid t- tea rose. Yes. And I also bought some verbena, mm-hmm. blue velvet. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, I haven't repotted them yet. Right. And the rose is out the front and it gets the afternoon sun. And I bought some terracotta mix and some rose food. So the rose is beautiful. It's established. Do I wait to repot it or do I do it now? Okay. Well, if you can wait until you're actually going to prune your uh, rose back in June because you'll still need to prune it regardless of how young or old it may be. Yeah. Uh, and then you will repot it. Once you've pruned it back, you can then repot it into your terracotta pot. Now, you mentioned you picked up some rose food. Tell me... Do you know whether that was an organic rose food or was it a chemical rose food? No, it's organic. Okay, well, that's great because you can then sprinkle some of that around the top of the pot once you've repotted it into the new pot. Okay. And so can I plant those other little ones? Around velvet? it? Yes. Yeah, certainly you can. You can plant some verbena around the base to just add a little bit more colour and you okay. can do that all at the same time. Okay. All right. All right, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Marie. Okay. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Marie. To Raymond Terrace next, and Gary's waiting on the line. Hello, Gary. Hey, oh, good afternoon. I just sort of um, we transplanted some canary and date palms last week, mm-hmm. and um, they were fairly large established tree when we moved them. Um, one of them, the middle fronds looks like it's wilting a bit. Would yes. that be normal? It would be normal because obviously um, by moving them at this time of the year, which is not normally the a good recommended time because we, we don't get any growth throughout the winter months and particularly things like palms that need warmth to actually regain their growth as well. And Raymond Terrace, of course, is not known for its really warm temperature during the winter months. So, no. so yes, so th- there will be a little bit of a problem there. So what I would suggest that you do is pro- probably try and water some sea salt around the root system that's actually going to stimulate the roots hopefully to grow back 
I'm just hoping that um, the centre is not going to die out because if the centre dies out of the date palm, it's not going to regrow again. So, But, I mean, that's going to be a fair amount of time that you're going to have to wait to see whether that happens because you won't get any further growth until the springtime. So it's basically just a matter of watering some sea salt around it, Gary, to try and stimulate those roots and hope for the best once we get into the spring months. Gloria, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Gary. 49216216 is our number. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you with any gardening problems you've got for David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery. Before we go back to your calls, a uh, quick look at the weather for those of us who plan to get out in the garden over the next few days. Um, to a new RFM um, weather update, yeah, for our sponsor, Maitland and Port Stephens Toyota. Great Wall has arrived in Maitland with great opening specials. For the rest of today, partly cloudy areas of rain. Um, with um, That was in the morning. Some scattered showers about and maybe an isolated thunderstorm or two uh, later in the evening. Daytime temperatures are between 14 and 19, pretty much around 19 at the moment. For tomorrow, Tuesday, cloudy with some isolated showers developing around dawn, increasing to rain by early evening. Winds westly 40 to 60 kilometres an hour, turning south to southwest 50 to 70 kilometres an hour near the coast later. A little bit windy tomorrow, David. Mm -hmm. uh, for your important day, Wednesday, your day off? No, it's not this oh, week. Oh, not this week. No, oh, not well, this week. It can do whatever it likes. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it's going to be cloudy with some scattered showers. Winds down a little bit south, subtly uh, 25 to 35 kilometres an hour, getting up to 65 kilometres an hour at time, times, uh, decreasing below 35 kilometres an hour around dawn. Don't like the sound of, mm. uh, of the next coming days. Thursday, partly cloudy, isolated showers. A little bit of sunshine back on Thursday. So, yeah, a few lumpy days ahead. But um, I think there's uh, an east coast low, they were saying, forming off the, uh, off the coast, but not one of those nasty ones that, mm. uh, that we sometimes do get. Okay, uh, back to the calls. I'm getting all ahead of myself here. Um, and I think we talk to Danny from Nolkabar. Hello, Danny. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I listen to your program regularly on a Monday, being a keen gardener. Very good, thank you. Keeps me fit, too. Keeps you fit? <laughs> yep. Oh, very good. <laughs> well, you've got to at our age. We've got to keep fit, haven't we? <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> now, I've got a, um, an acacia. I can't remember the actual name of it, but it's the long leaf one. And where the flowers form, where the leaf meets the stalk. Do you know that Longifolia, probably Longifolia, it is. Longifolia, yes. yeah. Now, it's been in for two years. It's about 10 feet tall, and it's been fabulous. But all of a sudden, I've noticed, on the leaves, there's long brown streaks on it, and they sort of overlap. I'm thinking, is it a type of scale or fungus? Well, once again, that description, I can't visualise anything. I would ha probably have to see it. Um, it looks like little brown strips, and they look like they're overlaid as if you could peel them off, but they don't come off. Oh, they don't come off. Okay, no. well, because if they're a scale, they would automatically come off with your finger or something mm. like that, yes. I'm just thinking, would it be a type of fungus? Fungal disease, it may be, but normally it doesn't occur in natives. But certainly if you feel it is fungal, it may be an idea just to treat the ground just with a fungicide spray, just by watering it down into the ground. And that way, of course, the tree will take up this particular product. And if it is oh, a fungus... Systemically. Yep, that's right. 
as against trying to get up and spray the whole tree. Well, you can spray the whole tree, but sometimes you'll find most of these things, you can go through the root system up into the tree. Yeah, but, I mean, well, certainly, of course, um, you may you can actually send samples to me so that I can have a look at them um, yeah. through the mail, and that sometimes is a much better way that I can pinpoint it down to a particular thing. Well, I'm going down that way first day of Friday. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that'll be great. That'll be That's great. Right. Would the wet summer we've had have anything to do with it? Probably would, yes, and that would certainly cause fungal diseases. Yeah, I thought as much, yeah. Mm. All right, thank you very much. You're Danny. welcome. Thank okay. you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you very much, Danny. Our next caller is Kerry. Kerry's from Woodville. Hello, Kerry. Hi, David. Um, my question is about the golden rain tree and also the Japanese silk tree. Yes. I'm just wondering, when these trees finish flowering, is it best to remove the flowers and seed pods, if possible? Well, let's first of all pinpoint down the golden rain tree, which variety, because golden rain can refer to about three different things. So do you happen to know another name for it? Uh, it's the one that forms the lovely little pink um, sort of seed pods. Um, I don't know... So it's not the... Is it laburnum or cassia? Uh, oh, gee, okay. I'm not sure. I'll have to check that all right. out. That's all it's, right. It's a very common tree around these areas. Yes. And well, they form little pink um, sort of... They're not flowers. They're like a little um, lantern type. They look like little lanterns on the end of the branches in the autumn. Right. Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I do know what you mean now. Um, but yes, go. And what did you want to know? Did you want to take the seed pods off? You remove them, yes. You, after, you after can them. if you want to, because basically what happens with those seed pods is they will eventually open and the seeds will scatter. So, I mean, certainly you can take them off, but they're not going to really do much because they, they go into their dormant period during winter anyway. Okay. So they would mature more so in the spring and then fly open and um, produce their seeds. So you can take them off if you wanted to. So it doesn't really make any difference to the tree whether you It doesn't, the unless you want little ones coming up everywhere around, um, okay. yes. All right, then. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Kerry. And our next caller is Dennis. He's from Belmont North. Hello, Dennis. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. What I'm ringing about, I have a portulaca. Yes. Um, growing out the front, and I've just noticed it. it's been annihilated by these white critters. Um, they're and they're very sticky to touch and they look a little bit like cotton wool. Yeah. Okay. You touch them and they just disintegrate. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't reading your mind then, but I just knew exactly. That's just spooky, David. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's actually merely bug that you've got on it. It is a very common thing for the uh, pig face to get, or portulaca, I should say. I shouldn't call them pig face because I think that's a terrible name for a plant. It is. It is, yes. really, for such a nice plant. Yes. So, yes, uh, unfortunately, with mealy bug, it's one of the most difficult insects to get rid of. Now, you can attempt to try and get rid of it with a product called Conquer. Another name for that product is Confidor. So they're the oh, two. Confidor, yes. yes. So that's the only one that's actually mostly listed for getting rid of mealybug. It is going to be a fairly constant job, unfortunately, Dennis, because one application won't get rid of it. You may have to follow up in a few weeks' time with another spray, and then once again another few weeks with another spray. So, so yes, Confidor or Conquer are the products that you can use to attempt to get rid of that particular product. I mean, it's, it's so far chewed up like all the centre of the bush is just totally defoliated. Yes, yes. Um, 
Will it still survive if I do that? It still will survive because most of your growth with uh, portulacas will come from the outer stem. Certainly once we get into the spring, you may be able to just trim it back lightly and it will reshoot out again for you. Ah, answer to everything, David. Thanks very much for your time. You're welcome, Dennis. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Dennis. Okay, let's get back to the calls. And um, Steve from Maitland is on the line now. Hello, Steve. Yeah, hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. Um, I've got a couple of questions. Um, firstly, I've, I've got some azaleas. Yes. And um, there's just like a patchiness all over the leaf. Okay. And they're not flowering all at the same time. All right. Okay, well, first of all, with azaleas, they normally get attacked by an insect called red spider during the summer months when it's very warm. This causes the leaves to go very patchy and very um, grey-looking, so you, you probably need to still spray those with a red spider spray. Uh, it's just under the name of insect and mite killer now, uh, so you need to do that to get rid of that. Secondly, most azaleas, sometimes they will spot, uh, spot flower, and the, the most important time that they will flower is late winter, early spring. So you've still got plenty of time for those to produce their flowers ready for that main time of flowering. So they shouldn't be in flower at the moment. It, it, it will all occur at the end of winter. Yeah, there's uh, one of the larger ones. I've got miniatures, but one of the large ones is in flower at the moment. Yeah, well, you will get you will get azaleas that will spot flower right through the year, but the yeah. the time when you will get them into flower properly is late winter, early spring. Okay, no worries. All right. Uh, yeah, and my second question was, I've got some roses there, and uh, the I'm just wondering about the cutting them back with the pruning. A couple mm -hmm. of them, they're long stem roses, but the plant seems to be getting taller and taller each year and the stems are shorter okay. on the actual Well, just remembering with roses, I mean, we'll leave them until at least the end of July for pruning those back, and you can cut them back very, very hard. So the harder you cut a rose back, even if it's harder than the previous year, you can still do that, because okay. roses will reshoot out of very, very strong stems. Just bearing in mind that I do have a demonstration day on the 24th of June, so if you're a bit unfamiliar with how to prune them, perhaps you may like to attend that. Uh, on the 24th of June. No worries. Okay. Yep, thanks very much. Thanks, Steve. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, next on the line, Christine from Wanji. Hello, Christine. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. David, um, a question. I have a kumquat, um, a potted kumquat, which over the years have fruited um, quite well. And about oh, three or four months ago, it, it developed, um, like it got a, a disease where all the leaves curled. So I pruned it back quite, quite hard and I've got lots of new growth. Um, but I want to know what to feed it because on the top of this pot, I planted, um, some succulents, which okay. is kind of cascading over the side of the pot and looks quite nice mm -hmm. and I, I didn't want to feed the kumquat and kill my succulents. Okay. Now, that's, a, that's an easy one because, I mean, basically all you need to get hold of, Christine, is an organic fertiliser. Mm -hmm. Now, this can be in the form of blood and bone or else just a pelleted manure. And basically oh, right. you can yeah. use that fertiliser on both of those things. You can use it on everything in the garden for that matter and it won't harm it. So either blood and bone or some just pelleted manure. Right, and um, it hasn't fruited since I've, I've cut it back, so I'm assuming it would um, 
should flower come spring and then I'll get a new lot of fruit. Well, you should do, yeah, because mostly they, they flower at late winter, early spring. Ah, right, right. It's just that uh, I did prune it back quite, quite um, heavily and I, I thought I'd killed it at one stage. Okay, but, um, no, it'll probably, it'll actually probably benefit from that really nice hard prune. Oh, good. Thank you, thank you very much. You're welcome, Christine. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Christine. Uh, news is coming up next on 2NURFM 103.7 uh, in around about a minute and a half's time. Um, just a quick roundup, David, of, um, I, I shouldn't say roundup because that's <laughs> not something we spray on the garden unless it's specifically called for. Uh, yeah, but of, um, of the things that we should be doing. Um, uh, we, we were talking last week, I think, about winter vegetables. Yes, still, still we're trying to still doing in. that. We can plant our winter vegetables right through the entire winter. So you still, I mean, if you've had a crop of vegetables, just make sure when you're putting a new crop of winter vegetables in that you try and rotate them. So if you've had a, a crop on the top of the surface, well, I'd, like, I'd like to put it in simple terms, like leafy things, plant something that's going to grow down underneath with a, a root vegetable like your carrots and oh, turnips right. and yep. parsnips. So you're actually rotating your crop. So do that So and vice versa, of course. I mean, look, certainly keep the fertiliser up to those. And remembering, too, uh, you can still sugar cane the vegetable garden as well right through the winter months, and that keeps the, a blanket on them. So it basically reverses the, uh, the other summer thing. It keeps a blanket on them and keeps them nice and warm. And, of course, at the same time, the moisture is retained as well but yes still keep the liquid feeding once every couple of weeks uh, and that just keeps them moving all the way through the winter and of course these nice sunny days will benefit them as well we don't like all those horrible cloudy days because that stops the growth uh, really bad so yeah the sunnier days like today will be really beneficial so vegetables are like us oh yes they, they love like, the sun like a little bit of sunshine David Peterson in the chair David we need to make an announcement we do we do so it's the winner of for May for our gardening walk back and congratulations to Vanessa Watters. And I believe Vanessa won a prize only a couple of weeks ago with our, our end, end of oh, show right. prize. So, so she's a very lucky yes, person. So congratulations, yeah. Vanessa. The station will be in contact with you very, very soon. Okay, and if you want to be 2NURFM's gardening walkback winner for June, all you need to do when you uh, ring up with your question for David is to give your details to Diane on the uh, on the phones and she'll put you in the drawer. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. It is. And then we need a little bit of luck. Yes, exactly. <laughs> David, if I could, I'd just like to make an announcement about the Australian Plant yes, Society certainly. Newcastle Group meeting. It's on uh, this coming Wednesday, the 6th of June at 7 o'clock. Now, this week's uh, meeting has um, uh, a bush food theme pretty much and um, the guest speaker is going to be Gary Hayes who's a chef who uses a lot of Australian native bush foods and Marie McCarthy who's uh, a member of our group and also uh, a horticulturalist is going to talk about how to grow these plants in your, your garden as well. So anybody at all if you're interested in growing and using Australian native bush foods come along to the um, meeting of the Australian Plant Society this Wednesday, 6th of June, 7 o'clock, at the um, Wetland Centre at Shortland downstairs there. Lots of lovely people who just love talking about Australian native plants there to, to meet you. Okay, uh, are we ready to go, David? I'm ready to go, okay, yes. Okay, well, I'm ready to go, and I think John from Wanji is ready to go too. Hello, John. John from Wanji? 
Hello, David. Yes. Uh, John from Curry, actually. Oh, oh Curry. John I'm from Curry. Oh, Curry. It is too. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. No problem. Just a couple of questions for you, David. Yes. Um, I've got a, a well-established uh, wattle tree. It is grown huge. When's the best time to trim it back? Well, the best time to trim it back would be probably very... Well, actually, after flowering, because most bottles will flower in the spring. Right. So then you just trim it back lightly. So just remembering with wattles, they only are supposed to live for a certain number of years. So you've got to be very, very careful you don't prune it back too severely. Otherwise, yep. you give it a little bit of a shock and it just can, it curls up its toes on you. But yes, certainly after flowering. After flowering. And just one other thing is... Could you recommend a mandarin tree? Now, we've got good soil on top, but down a little bit there's a fair bit of clay. Could you recommend a mandarin tree that will put up with that sort of thing? Well, look, look, certainly any citrus will put up with that because, I mean, they're only surface rooting things, and normally you'll find when you're preparing an area for citrus, you try and elevate the area where they're going to be growing so it just puts them above the normal soil level. So certainly probably one of the better mandarins that I can suggest is the Emperor. It's a very, very popular one. And the other one that I like is called Honey Murcott. Honey Murcott. Yes. Okay, then thank you very much for your time, David. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Thank you very much. John, John was from Curry. Okay. Um, (laughs) Just reminding myself there. Uh, Lynn is on the line. Lynn is from Western. Hello, Lynn. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good, David. I bought myself a couple of japonicas. Uh, Japonica camellias, you mean? Yep, yep, okay. Um, And I was wondering when I can espalier it. I did one with the Sasanqua, which is absolutely beautiful. Can I do the same with the Japonica? You can do the same with the Japonicas, just remembering that they don't grow as rapidly as what the Sasanquas do, and Uh they don't have as long a stems as what the Sasanquas do, but certainly you can still do that. Of course, they will flower during the winter months, which Uh is a little bit later than the Sasanquas, and after that time, they will certainly push their way into growth and that's with the time when you'll need to start doing this. Oh, okay. And, and the same as taperising it into a ball? Yes, it, yeah. that's right, yes. Oh, okay, terrific. Thank All you right. very, very much. You're Have welcome. Okay, bye. Thank you, Lynn. Now, Espalier, David, that's when you, you sort of put up a frame and grow a plant along a wall? That's right, it? yes. We, yeah. the, most of the uh, things that are often done with that is fruit trees, particularly if people have got, um, you know, lack of room in their garden mm. and they've mm. got a fence and they just pop up some wire, if, so to speak, and then they just wind the tree through that wire. So it keeps it nice and close to the fence and doesn't allow it to grow outwards. Okay. And they look tremendous yeah. when they're done that way, yes. Yeah. And for those of us with small gardens, that's... Yeah. Uh, Tremendous idea, yes. Okay. Um, Next up, David, we speak to Jane. Jane's in Tookley. Hello, Jane. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Um, I was wondering, we cut our crepe myrtle back about a month ago, and it's absolutely covered in shoots. (laughs) It's awfully early. Do we break the shoots off so it reshoots later or leave it? No, just leave it. Just leave it alone because you'll probably find those shoots may even die back once we get into the winter. That's why sometimes it's a little bit better if you can leave it right into the winter when you know it's completely asleep, whereas if the weather's still a little bit warm or the ground's a little bit warm and you cut it back a little bit early, it will do this. It will shoot away very, very quickly. So for next year, just leave it till it's completely dormant in the middle of winter and that's a really good time to prune it back all right then thank you very much you're welcome bye-bye bye-bye thanks very much jane um john's next on the line from arcadia vale hello john hello david how are you good thank you um two questions 
first of all, I've got an established macadamia tree mm-hmm. that seems to the last three or four years have got a grub in it. A little white grub yep. that goes through both the layers. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to come back and back and back all okay. the time. All right, well, we can prevent this from happening because basically throughout the growing season of the nut, it's mm-hmm. wise to actually just give the tree a spray just with any general insecticide. And that right. just puts a coating on the actual nut and stops the little um, creature from actually boring into the nut. So what, what, when should I do that then? You'll need to start doing that when the, when the nut is about half mature size so that you're actually preventing it from, from the grub from actually boring its way in. So every few weeks after that period, just give the tree a spray to just put that protective coating yep. on it. And, and it's also, just, sorry, it's, yeah, just any general insecticide you can use for that, John. And also the, the, I don't know what you call them, the, the little, little kernels that form up there seem to fall off a lot too. Uh, the flowers, you mean? Yes. Yes, well, you'll always get a certain percentage of the flowers that will fall off because the tree can certainly not accommodate the amount of flowers that are on right. the tree. Okay, okay. Mm. But that's quite natural, so... Okay. The other thing is, that, oh, you might have answered this many times, the orange tree I've got here seems to be going black all the time, mm-hmm. or the orange goes black. Yes. Okay, well, this is called sooty mould. It is a common thing for citrus to get sooty mould, and it's caused by a scale that's also on the tree, and you need to get yourself some anti-scale to try and clear that up. So once you've sprayed the anti-scale, you'll just need to repeat it again in 14 days, and then it's just a matter of time for that to actually start working uh, and get rid of the the, the sooty mould. Okay, then. Thanks, David. You're welcome. Much appreciated. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, John. Um, we go to Belmont next. Uh, Barry is waiting on the line. Hello, Barry. Hi, David. How are you today? Good, thank you. Uh, David, these Mother's Day flowers. Yes. Yeah, the ones, they look like a big pom-pom on the end of the green stalk. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's in a pot. Now, uh, if we wanted to transplant it into another pot or something... Yes. Uh, we cut the top off it. So the flower has finished... No, not yet. Okay, no. well, wait until the flower has finished, Barry, and then you just cut the top off. Is it outside or still inside? It's still inside. Okay, so once it's, once it's finished flowering, you cut the top off, pop it outside in a semi-shaded position, so that's just where it's getting a little bit of sun for a couple yeah. of weeks, yeah. and then you'll find it will start to regrow again. So then you can pop it into the garden if you wanted to, into a sunny spot, yeah. or else put it into another pot in a sunny spot, and it will just continue to grow for you. Okay, how, f- how far down will we cut it off? You can, once you just take the flower off, that's where you cut it off first. So you're just taking the very, very top of the flower off, yeah. and then eventually you'll start to see little growths that appear down the stems. Oh. So when you start to see the growths appearing down the stem, well, that's when you can cut it down a little bit lower. But you leave as much stem as possible in case it only shoots from the very top part. Yeah. Now, listen, will these go back to being a single or...? They should stay as they are, as you've bought them. They should always stay as the particular flower shape that you've bought them as. Oh, right, okay then. Right, okay, well, that's about it. Thank you very much for your help, David. Thank you, Barry. Bye-bye now. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. And uh, our next caller is Ken. Ken's from Oakhampton. Hello, Ken. Good day, Dave. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, Uh, Ken, we've got a little bit of an echo there. Could you just pop your radio off for me, please? Um, oh, it's in the workshop there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm in the office. Uh, um, we had frangipanis, and um, well, I've been growing them, you know, from yes. 
short bits and things. And so, and we've been trying to get different colours. Now, three or three of them are planted in a raised garden, which uh, they're going really, really well. Um, and then we've got ones that are in pots. And so they need topping up. So what I'm thinking is, what first of all, what do I need anything special to top them up with, like keep them going? And also, with the colours, because we've got all these different colours, do, do, do you feed them with anything different or will they just naturally give the colours, if you know what I mean? Okay. Well, first of all, just by potting the... To, to, to top up their pots, all you really need is just a good premium potting mixture. But just be very, very careful, Ken, when you're topping up those pots that you're not altering the level around the cutting too much because that will cause a rot. So yeah. you really just need to, to do... Excuse me, do that very, very carefully... So you're not altering the level too much. Secondly, as far as the colour of the frangipani, whatever you got the frangipani cuttings from, they will actually stay that colour. You can intensify the colour if you really wanted to just by using some potash around them and that will really bring a lot more intense colour into the actual flower for you. Potash, and yep. you can do that any time? Well, with the potash, it's available in two forms. It's available in a, a liquid, which is the one that you dilute and you can water around them every couple of weeks. Otherwise, you can buy it as just a powder, which you, sp- you just sprinkle around them and water okay. it, and you only need to do that once a season. Ah, good. Great work. All right. Good work. What do you have Thanks. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ken. Um, to Lemon Tree Passage, and Sandra's waiting to talk Hello, to you, David. Hello, Sandra. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Now, we've had a few problems with gardening, and my husband and I, we've just decided to pull everything out. And what we've gone and pulled out are quarter lines. Oh, yes, yes. Now, I've repotted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've cut the tops off and just stuck them into pots. yes. Are they going to take or not? Well, that's a good question with quarter lines because particularly this time of the year, um, normally we would do that in the springtime when things are starting to grow. So the winter will gauge whether they're going to shoot. More times than enough, they will reshoot. Now, the, the thing is with these, Sandra, is that you, you don't want to keep them too wet because if you keep them too wet, now you've disturbed them, they will rot and they will just die. So you're probably better to keep them on the dry side and they probably will reshoot eventually. Just pop them in a good sunny spot. Uh, and as I said, try not to keep too much moisture up to <laughs> With them. all the rain. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a bit difficult. As yes. I thought they were rotting out. Yes. There. Yeah. And the other thing is I've got a fern house and I've got a lot of orchids and other plants in there. And I've got this white stuff on all the plants that's going right through to the root system. And Okay. And tell me, when you touch this white thing, is it a little bit sticky or it looks a little bit like cotton wool? It's just yeah, white fluff. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's a thing called mealybug, and it's yeah, one of the most... Yeah, it was the mealybug, yes. It Well, it sounds very much like it is, and it is a thing that will spread both to the upper plant as well as the root system. Right now, if you have this very bad, it is going to be quite a job to get it under control yeah. because it, it has that f- sort of gooey sort of covering, which makes it a bit difficult for the, in, for the chemical to get into. So the only two products that you can use is, is Conquer, or Confidor. They're the only two products that I know of that's recommended for mealybug. Pest oil? Now, pest oil will not work at all because it's environmentally friendly and it's certainly not strong enough to actually kill the mealybug. Oh, right. So you'll need to switch over to Conca yep. or Confidor. Right, okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope I can save all these poor little I certainly hope so because, <laughs> as I said, some it, of them now before the rain hits again. it will be a bit difficult <laughs> to get that mealy bug under control. Yeah, well, I, that's the 
said I used the um, um, pest oil. Mm. What I did with the orchids and that, the cymbiniums, I took them out of their pots and I washed them and allowed them to dry down. Yes. And then I um, sprayed them with the pest oil and now they're all coming up into bud. Oh, okay, okay. Then I'd kept them separated. It may work for some things like that, but certainly be very, very careful about, uh, you know, getting rid of all that soil around the root system of some of your delicate things. Uh, oh, no, I thought that they'd die anyhow. They were, you know, just looked as if they yes. were going to rot away on them. But good luck. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye now. Yes, uh, good luck, Sandra. To Charlestown and Maureen's waiting. Hello, Charles. Um, I was going to say hello, <laughs> Charlestown. Then, you, hello, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, David. <laughs> thank you. Um, I have a couple of um, questions to ask. The first one: I've got a major problem with wandering dew at the moment mm-hmm. through all my garden beds. So, how do you get rid of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, look. I think probably the. The safest and the easy way is, first of all, try and clear as much as you possibly can manually by hand and getting rid of it. And then when it starts to regrow, you spray it with the glypho products, you know, like glyphosate or Roundup or Zero, because these are the only products that's known to actually get rid of it. But unfortunately, because we're into winter now, these products work a lot slower, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get rid of it. But yes, look, you you can't just spray it with anything whilst it's all in full leaf, because a lot of that foliage is adult foliage, Mm. and the chemical does not work on adult foliage. It's got to work on the young foliage so that's why i say to try and clean it away first and then when you start to see it reshoot which it will do uh you need to spray the young foliage with these glypho products so would i wait until spring yeah i would i would because i mean certainly if you wanted to clean some of it away during the winter months at least that's a starting point for you Mm. and then once we get into spring clean it up properly and then just start thinking about spraying it with one of your glypho products Okay, thank you. And the second question was about lemon trees. Mm-hmm. Um, do they prefer morning or afternoon sun? They do prefer afternoon sun. I mean, they certainly will survive just in morning sun, but certainly the good, strong afternoon sun is the better one for them. And which particular lemon variety would you recommend? Well, I tend to favour uh, the old-fashioned lemonade because it's a sweeter lemon, uh, because I like eating them just straight off the plant. But certainly the probably the most popular one is the Eureka because it crops 12 months of the year. Okay. Okay, thank you very much, David. My pleasure. Okay, okay. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you very much, Maureen, and uh, thank you everybody who rang up today to be part of our program on Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. It wouldn't be the same if you didn't ring. Of course it wouldn't. In fact, David and I would just spend an hour and a half talking to each yes. other, and that wouldn't be very entertaining no, at all. It would be boring after a while. Yeah, people from the Hunter have a wide range of gardening oh, interests, don't they? So. Yeah. Yes, and we've had a lot of people from up in the valley today ringing, yes. which is really great. Yeah. Good, good to hear. Okay, David, you've got to choose somebody from a amongst that huge list of callers to be the recipient of these wonderful things you're giving away. Just run through them again for us and then tell us who the winner is. Okay, well, it consists of um, two indoor plants, one being a croton, which has the decorative coloured foliage, which should last inside right out through the winter, and the Diefenbarki, which is another foliage plant, which is really, really pretty as well. As well as that, I'm giving away the Kids Harvest Pack, which is the Pea in a Pods Pack, uh, which is a really, really great and fun way to learn how to things, the thing, how things grow and a packet of the sea organic or the container of sea organic which is a complete fertilizer that you can use on your garden as well as the um, 
the pot plants. And I thought I might give that to, let me just see where my point's going to, pen's going to point to. Probably about Deidre in Brankston. We'll see if Deidre is able to come down all the way from Brankston to collect this gift. Deidre, all you need to do is to make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdis and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get down before next Monday, but I know next Monday is a public yes. holiday, so we will not be here, Phil. But certainly if you can get down before then, that would be really great, because I will have a brand new gift the following Monday when we're back. Okay, so as David said, no gardening talk back next Monday because it's the uh, the long weekend. Um, a to Z Super Music Weekend here on 2NURFM. Plenty of great music. Um, and as we all enjoy our three-day uh, long weekend, except for the poor <laughs> staff who f- who just work and work and work at our local nursery. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Yes, we'll be thinking of you, David, Thank as we you. as we relax on the long weekend. But we'll see you a week on Monday. You will. For another Gardening Talkback program. Thanks, Phil. I'll see you then, and good gardening, everyone.